0: So anytime the body's under stress, so now we take someone that's had trauma, that's in that loop in their minds, even unconsciously, not even knowing it, their amygdala is always looking for the alert system, the sounds, the smells, the sights, the everything to tell the um, brain to release chemicals that will then tell the adrenals to release adrenaline. So this is happening just on an everyday basis. It could be somebody's voice. It could be being in traffic. It could be a smell that is similar to something that we experienced as a child. And all of a sudden we're in that same state again. So when we're in that state, we're stuck in our hormones that help us survive. But the ones that help us thrive are the ones that help our menstruating cycle, the ones that help us get pregnant, the ones that help us stay stable for men that it helps their testosterone levels. These are our thriving hormones. These are also anti-anxiety, they're anti-depressive, they help brain health. So these take a back seat because we're sitting in a state of survival because we're still just surviving that those traumas and our everyday stresses.
1: Life is gonna give you challenges, struggles. It's gonna force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm really, really excited for today's guest. She is a naturopathic physician physician that has a mission to change the way women understand their bodies and themselves. She believes that women are the center of their families and communities, and therefore by supporting them, she is creating a ripple effect that will support the whole. She is a mother of two boys, an author, a yoga teacher, a podcaster, a workshop and retreat leader, and runs her practice with her husband where they help their community move into a state of thriving from surviving. Her background in cell biology and her lived experience with Ayurvedic medicine in her home has given her insights into the human body that helps serve the women and the family she works with with multiple different lenses. She's the co-founder of Divine Elements Health Center the longevity lab and the health ignited academy alongside her husband dr nicholas jensen she believes everyone's birthright is to live a happy healthy joyful and abundant life and i would love to welcome dr Sonia jensen to the show
0: oh thank you <laughs>
1: So nice to be
0: here with you. I'm so good. I've been so excited to have a chat with you. So thank you for having me on.
1: Uh, I'm so excited to have you on as well. And it's been, it's been long overdue, but you know, these things come at the perfect time, you know, perfect timing, divine timing.
0: (laughs) I believe that for sure.
1: (laughs) So, you know, we, we finished the summit with you and Dr. Nick, we're both on and you, you know, guys, you guys shared some valuable insight and it was really, really powerful being able to have that. And now I'm excited to dive a little bit more into you and your story and, you know, kind of, you know, talk about some things that are very important and that's trauma in people's lives, how it affects their lives and, you know, specifically their bodies, their hormonal system and all that. But before we get into that, I would love if you could give us a little bit of background about yourself, kind of like maybe, maybe walk us through your journey about how you became a naturopathic doctor and some of the things that led you to where you are today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's lots of layers (laughs) to Mm -hmm. the story as it is for um, everyone. So I always was fascinated by the human body and just humans in general. I think growing up, I, I'm such an observer. So I would just look and try to understand the why behind people chose the words they chose or the actions they chose and the behaviors they chose. And so initially, I really thought I was going to go into psychology. And actually criminal psychology, because that fascinated me. It fascinated me that, you know, when you look at a child, they're not born with hate. They're not born with any of these things. And then here, when you look at a trajectory of a human's life, something happens along the way that changes how they relate to themselves in the world. So mm. from day one, I've been fascinated by that. I've also been very fascinated by spirituality. I was very spiritual as a child and all different lenses like I just loved learning about world religion and wanting to explore the world and you know my parents took me to India at a very young age at 4 back home and you know seeing the poverty there, seeing the pain there, but then also seeing the joy there. Like I just had so many different experiences that gave me this insight into the human form and the human psyche. So going through school, I really wanted to do something with the body and the mind. And I did my cell biology degree just to kind of dive really deep into the nuances of the physical body. And then coming out of school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. And I first started with massage because I was like, hey, I want to work with my hands. I feel like I have, you know, healing potential. So I want to work with that. And it didn't feel like enough in that moment. And the way I actually got to the naturopathic school was really by divine intervention, I called the wrong number one day because I was trying to figure out what day we were going back to school and I ended up calling this school and then I started asking questions about what the program was all about. And I was like, okay, this was two weeks before we were starting and I'm like, okay, I'm going here. This is my calling. This is what I need to do. And then from there, it was one of those programs that really forced you to look inwards. Mm. And that really happened in my third year when I started working with women and I started hearing their stories. I would see women in their forties and their fifties going through these hormonal challenges and these life challenges. And at that time I was actually married to somebody else. And I started having these awakening moments where I'm like, I chose a life that fit into a box that was comfortable, for everybody around me, but not me. And I'm gonna be that individual sitting in that chair, talking to somebody about my cancer or my health or the life that I no longer can't live because I didn't make the choices that I needed to make. So Mm -hmm. that was the beginning of this like self-discovery of like, okay, the the stories we've been told, the beliefs that I have, the, the everything, I just started questioning all of it To the extent where, you know, my ex and I had decided to separate, but that was, it was like a Bollywood movie, really, (laughs) that whole scenario with my family and, Mm -hmm. you know, because culturally just divorce was not accepted, especially as a woman, and my family as loving as they are, were very, very confused by Mm -hmm. it all. And so that was the first initiating step for me into myself into a deeper dive into who I am. And it was the hardest time in my life, but it was also the most joyful and the most profound because I finally took that step to figure out who I am without all the noise of the world of how I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to look, how I'm supposed to behave, who I'm supposed to be, because I decided to do something that's completely opposite of what I was expected. So that's kind of where mm. everything began really.
1: Right. I just, you know, there's one thing there that you said, I mean, it's just so profound the way that happened and how you called the wrong number and you ended up there. So how did you know, this is the part that I'd love to really dig into first is that intuition. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've obviously been able to tap into that. And, you know, what made you like what was going on that you knew that was the thing to do? Like, how did you know that it wasn't mm-hmm. just a coincidence, mm-hmm. right? Like people, oh, that's just a coincidence or that's just a, whatever it's, it doesn't matter. How did you know that that was the thing? Like what that's, mm-hmm. that is so profound to me because a lot of people can't, will we'll never figure that out. How did you, mm-hmm. how did you know?
0: Yeah, I think. That intu- intuition, I feel like I've been anchored into, or I was forced into being ac- anchored into at a very young age. Um, I had an experience where I saw um, a cousin of mine getting molested, and I was in the same room. And I feel like that experience, and I'm, I still, to this day, I'm not sure what happened to me, because you know what a brain does, it it blocks the that moment, but I, I remember... The feeling. I remember the thoughts. I remember feeling scared. I remember feeling um, this isn't right. I remember wanting to call out, but I couldn't use my voice. But I also remember feeling safe and held at the same time. It's like a really strange thing because I I have belief in this other thing that holds me. And so I feel like that age is also where I turned into more of a spiritual being because I started to understand that there's, there's multiple layers to myself and there's these multiple voices. And I have one voice that's going to tell me and protect me when something's going wrong. I have another voice that's like the truth, my soul voice. So at a young age, I started listening to that soul voice. And then fast forward to when I was 13, I was going through a rough time and I was anorexic and there was this one particular day what I actually, I start the book off with this um, moment in my life where I wanna I want leave, like I don't wanna be here anymore. And I'm in my room and I'm crying and crying and crying and you know, with my blurred vision, I'm like looking for something to just end the pain. And what I found was just a safety pen and I started carving, I hate life on my arm. And that's stuck with me for years. But even in that moment, there was that other voice of like, you're okay. Like, it's gonna be okay. This is so temporary. You're okay. You have something to do in this world and you're okay. Mm. So in that phone call, that voice showed up again. This is it. This is what you've been looking for. You've been lost. You've been lonely. You've been, you. all these feelings that you've been feeling, this is gonna drive you into the direction that you need to go. So I think I just had that like practice of having to listen to that voice. So it allowed me in that moment to really move away from the noise and understand that, okay, this is it, Mm. that this is what I need to do.
1: Wow. Wow. That was powerful stuff. I mean, thank you for sharing that. That's Mm -hmm. wow. Um, You know, I always, when you hear something like that, it's always, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, like how challenging that must be later on when it comes to what that actually does and what, you know, in our timeline for trauma and everything. Right. So, which is like a perfect segue into the next, the next area of like conversation is like from there, how much trauma was created there Mm -hmm. from that. And I guess you wouldn't really, it's hard to put your finger on it, but it's mm-hmm. got to be like a knowing and maybe what came after that. Obviously you're, you're the, the destructive, you know, things, the destructive habits of like doing that, but what else after that happened? Like, what else do you think came out of that trauma? Like, it's just hard for me to wrap my head around being involved in something like that. Cause I haven't. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I know a lot of people have, and it's just such a, it's such an important conversation to have. Because there's that kink in the timeline, you know, where it's like, whoo, that's why a lot of people have the problems they do now is because it's never been dealt with. Right. Mm -hmm. So walk us through that a little bit.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's something so amazing that the brain does to protect you, especially at that ripe age. And, um, you know, because then you're if we're talking like physiologically, the the amygdala is like on fire, like your alarm system and your adrenaline is high and all the things that need to happen to create protection for your brain and for yourself. So I wasn't even conscious of it for several years until a very close cousin of mine was killed. And it was after that, I started having dreams about it. And then I, you know, I had to kind of discern, I'm like, is this, is this a dream or is, did this actually happen? and then it you know started to kind of come up like the details like what I was wearing what she was wearing what they were wearing uh, where we were the sounds that everything started to really become very very clear and it really wasn't until she confirmed it for me one day too we confirmed it for each other because neither one of us decided to talk to one another about it and we both started having the memories at the same time after that trauma of losing somebody very close to us so it kind of unlocked something in our minds and I remember when it finally got confirmed that's when things started unraveling for me or unraveling and my aha moment started to show up like okay that is you know if I'm, if I'm talking about hormones okay this is why i've been suffering with these things for so long my uterus was inflamed i had pcos i had all these things showing up in my physical body and this is why i you know i don't use my voice for so long i didn't use uh-huh. my voice because at that moment i couldn't it was blocked
1: uh-huh.
0: and it also gave me this insight into my whole life. I've been wanting to be saved or I chose the role, a rescuer and started saving mm. other people. Cause I realized in that moment, the thoughts I had was like, where's my dad, where I can hear everybody, where is everyone? And, you know, my dad's that archetype of like true warrior, like protector. So it just, it really changed how I saw the world. And I feel like it's the day that I've stopped becoming a child. And so that influences every decision that you make. So what happened at 13 was because of that brewing of that trauma from before. And what Uh happened to me at 19, what happened to me late, like everything was stemmed from that moment. But then the moment you realize that it also gives you this opportunity of freedom from it too. It's like, okay, it doesn't have to hold me anymore. I can look at it. I can hover around it and see, even the gift in it, which is like a really interesting way to look at it, but these moments as hard as they are, as painful as they are, as defining as they are, maybe I wouldn't be doing this today if that didn't happen, right? So I really started to look at it in a very different way. It takes time, like forgiveness takes time for yourself. Cause I, you know, as as much as that moment was painful, the the thing that didn't happen was more painful. Mm. Why didn't I scream? why didn't I just run? You know, these things you start like questioning yourself and then shame shows up and then guilt shows up and all these things. And so once you start forgiving yourself, I think that's when the story can sort of unfold. So you can see the reality of what really is for you today.
1: Mm. So when did you realize that it was trauma though? Like when did you you know, because obviously that's a buildup over years, but when did you mm-hmm. get the understanding that that was the actual thing? Like trauma is, it's is the thing like, and how yeah. did you, and maybe if you could just, cause everyone has their definition of trauma. Yeah. Give us your definition of trauma and how, how can, how did you start working through it and how can somebody maybe take the first step?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Cause often I think people think trauma has to be really big. Like what, I mean, that's a big one. I mm-hmm. do think that's a big one, but trauma can also happen in like our daily moments. Like trauma could be anytime you're unheard, you're not seen, you're, you're made to feel unworthy where you don't feel like you're enough. And when you're completely detached from your core or from your center and where your soul is just being like, not ripped apart but just like rerouted into a different place. So that could be, you know, in a child could make something beautiful and creative and want to show their parents but their parents are too busy to look at it. Mm-hmm. That plants a seed of trauma. You know, unintentionally, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's so many different ways to look at trauma. It's not the big thing that we're holding on our backs, it's the little things this whole year globally is traumatic for people in different ways and different lenses for the children. Like they're, you know, they're seeing the world in a very different lens today. So I think trauma can happen in these little moments. And then you have, you know, the bigger moments where these things show up where you are not in control, where life is happening in that moment to you, or you feel like it's happening to you and you can't, and you're stuck. Because even in our brain, when trauma is going on, it's like there's a loop that gets created within the brain and you get stuck in that loop constantly, that same emotion, that same feeling. So today it could be you know a facial expression that my husband today has, and it takes me back to that moment over there, and I'm reacting from that rather than just him who he is right now.
1: Ah mm. oh, it's so fascinating. Mm. You know the, the fact that it doesn't have to be something big, it can be something small. And, you know, from in my own life, I've tried to identify, you know, obviously doing a lot of work on myself, trying to, there's the big things that have happened, but there was a lot of stuff that went squirrely before that. Right. There's a lot of things in the timeline where sometimes I'm looking for this big thing. Cause I don't remember. And, you know, my family did the best they could there's a lot of emotional a lot of fighting a lot of that stuff but like i had a lot of love growing up you know from 0 to 11 i had a ton of love and that's the only reason i can do what i do today but there were these times in my teen years that i try and and figure out you know like where was the what was this event like what are these events and i think there were a there are a bunch of little events you know Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, from even getting, you know, bullied in a new school, moving across Mm -hmm. the country, it's like, you know, we're, it's an, it's a tender age, you know, because I was looking always for like, everybody talks about from zero to 11, you're so impressionable and all this kind of stuff. But then there's teenage years are still challenging. Like you're going in and if you're not accepted and some kid bullies you and you, you, your identity is like one thing. And then you go to a new school across the country and you get bullied and you're like, wait a minute. Like, that's tough. And like that stuff, like, I mean, for me, I was working on that for years. I still am. And it's just amazing because, you know, it doesn't have to be the most, you know, horrific accident. Mm -hmm. It can be those little things because, you know, in school and not being heard. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people are dealing with things that they may not even realize.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you in this moment think it's not a big deal, but your 11 year old self, it Mm -hmm. was the world. So when you start to look at from that lens, and my children have really helped me see that, like we moved just cities, and um, our oldest had to change schools and that whole year he was sad, like his personality changed, like things shifted, he wasn't being bullied, but he was feeling like he had no tribe anymore, like he was feeling left out, like Mm. he was feeling not enough, like all these things were showing up and that's trauma for him. And he's growing up in a very loving home. So I think those moments are really pivotal because your brain is still developing. Like your frontal cortex doesn't fully develop until you're 25 years old, which is your rational brain. Mm. So nothing is rational at that time. Everything is emotional. Everything's in your emotional center. So we're going to take that into our hearts very, very deeply, even
1: as a teen. Mm. So how do you work with your children on dealing with like even stress in their lives like how do they even know Mm -hmm. it's stress like how do they you know how does how does how do we communicate to kids to communicate
0: yeah it's a hard one (laughs) but you know what we're trying to do with our kids is helping them discern the thoughts and the feelings and you know talking to them so you know we're very vocal about I'll, I'll sometimes bring it down to just physiology for them. You know what, your brain right now, like my oldest is turning 10. I'm like, it's changing a lot. Yeah. So there's going to things things are going to happen and they're going to feel so big and that's okay. You're going to feel angry and that's okay. Just know that that's not who you are. The thoughts that you're having right now, it's not who you are. So we're just constantly reiterating that for him. And he still gets stuck in these loops that are really interesting to observe and hard as a parent especially if you're not conscious that that's what's happening. Cause I think that's what creates that rift in relationships with parents and teens is that we don't have an understanding of what's going on for them. And we, in our adult brain, that's totally mature and our logical brain is working think that they too should see the world from the same lens. Mm. So we just keep reiterating that it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to have this, but you have to start looking at why you're having it. And then, you know, talking to like, is this actually a big deal Just start asking questions. And that's what I do still in my own practice is I ask questions. And the moment I ask questions, I feel like that's when I can like hover over the emotion rather than be in it. I can ask, well, where does this, where is this coming from? Like, is this my belief? Is this somebody else's belief? Is it social media? Is it, you know, what is it? Or if I'm trying to make a decision for myself, is this going to nourish me? Is this actually going to give me joy? Is this going to give me the the love that I need right now? And so we're trying to teach them to ask the same questions, so they mm-hmm. just start to discern and look at the world in you know different lenses.
1: Mm. That's so great because that's half the battle is just having parents that understand a little bit, you know.
0: Yeah. And it's hard. You don't get a manual. You don't. (laughs) And each child is so different too. I would love
1: to have you and Nick as parents growing up, like just to have that, perfect. just to have, you know, just to know that if you do get upset, that your parents know that you're getting upset for a reason. And like, there's just an understanding, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, traumatized people are raising traumatized kids. That's the the problem. (laughs) (laughs) problem.
1: Everyone's doing their best.
0: That's right.
1: It's, and so I wanted to ask you as well around trauma and specifically around how it affects the hormonal system. You work with mm-hmm. women, and I, I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of women that listen to this that could get value out of this. So I would love if you could speak into talking about how trauma affects the hormone, the hormonal system and mm-hmm. why did you decide to work with women specifically?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, with my own journey and my own learning, I really started to understand the power that women have in their communities. Because when you look at um, if it's, you know, a a male, female counterpart, um, family, or even uh, two women together too, there's always one that has more of that yin energy or more of that yang, masculine energy. The, the one that has the yin state within her is the one that's making a lot of the choices in the family, right? Whether it's food um, and she's kind of like the, the center that's keeping it all together. That's like weaving the web around the entire family and the community. So often her decisions and how she feels about herself is gonna impact the whole picture. If a woman is feeling whole and taken care of, she can then be in service to her children the way they need her to be instead of being in a state of resentment or anger or fatigue and all the things that come along with just life today. So I just started to see, you know, if I can help her, I'm helping so many at the same mm. time. And I think that's really important because we, you know, there's different talks in like the spiritual world too, about how we are moving from that Piscean age to the Aquarian age, which has got more of that female energy because we're moving away from some of the constructs that have been built that aren't working anymore. We can see everything kind of crumbling and changing. And I think even for men um, to sit more in that creative, nurturing place, it's gonna change the way, you know, like we were saying before, the traumatized people are raising traumatized kids. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's gonna start to change. So that's why I think working with women is so important and families in general. And when I started to see the connection between the hormones, it was really from the start. And I started to notice even within my own body, when you look at um, the physiology of certain hormones, like for example, our hormone progesterone, it's a very nurturing hormone. It's one women need, especially in their second half of their cycle. I remember after giving birth to my second son, there used to be a day in my cycle where I really started to hate Nick and he's a lovely man, right? Yeah. But there was this day where all of a sudden, the whole world just looked different to me. Yeah. And so I started to see that, okay, I'm depleted, you know, I've given birth to two kids, I'm nursing, not sleeping, there's all these things. And it's because that hormone turns into cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Yeah. So anytime the body's under stress, so now we take someone that's had trauma, that's in that loop, in their minds, even unconsciously, not even knowing it. Their amygdala is always looking for the alert system, the sounds, the smells, the sights, the everything, to tell the um, brain to release chemicals that will then tell the adrenals to release adrenaline. So this is happening just on an everyday basis. It could be somebody's voice. It could be being in traffic. It could be a smell that is similar to something that we experienced as a child. And all of a sudden, we're in that same state again. So when we're in that state, we're stuck in our hormones that help us survive. But the ones that help us thrive are the ones that help our menstruating cycle, the ones that help us get pregnant, the ones that help us stay stable for men that it helps their testosterone levels. These are our thriving hormones. These are also also anti-anxiety. They're antidepressant. They help brain health. So these take a backseat because we're sitting in a state of survival because we're still just surviving that, those traumas and our everyday stresses. So then I started to see, you know, there were certain things that were linked with certain stories. Like, for example, endometriosis is something that women deal with where their lining of their uterus is now traveling outside of the uterus and embedding itself either in the fallopian tube or in the gut or sometimes even in the nose, like in different areas. And what I started to notice with these women is I would ask them, you know, because that place in our body is where we're supposed to be feeling nurtured and safe and taken care of. So then I'll ask them like, when, you know, where did you feel stuck in your life? Like what happened before where you didn't feel like you could either escape or was it a relationship or what wasn't every single time, 99% of the time, there was some sort of abuse. There was a violent relationship. There was a time where they couldn't speak up for themselves and now this is happening. For the woman that has thyroid issues, she couldn't use her voice. She would suppress it because it would cause issues if she used her voice. So now there's thyroid stuff going on. For the woman that's always busy, right? She's the CEO, she's getting everything done. She's um, created so many distractions in her life so she doesn't have to look at any of the pain. She's got irregular cycles. She's got so many fibroids, like things that are just gonna kind of stop her in her tracks sometimes. So I started to notice these little trends that were showing up for women and for myself. When I was going through a really hard time in my early 20s, my uterus was completely swollen. And so I started to see that the two are not separate at all. Like what we experience, how we feel about ourselves, the emotional body is triggering the physiological body and its hormones to respond. And then that's how they respond because they're communicators.
1: It's so fascinating, but makes so much sense. And it's hard to imagine we live in a world that people don't really look at it like that. You know, we Mm -hmm. live in a system that doesn't look at it like that. I mean, with the way you explain, it makes total sense, right? The Mm -hmm. stress that your body goes through will have stress on your body inside. Like it makes total sense, right? And it must be frustrating at the same time when you, you know, you see, People coming in and, and or just seeing the way things are medicated instead of getting to the root. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something in itself to have to be like, okay, how do like the the patience you must have to like, you know, be able to like work through that, just knowing that people aren't trying to get to the root. It's just about you take this for that, take this for that. It has nothing to do with stress. You know, mm-hmm. that, that frustrates me even, and I'm not, you know, I'm not even in i I'm not even a doctor, you know, but mm-hmm. like, so when you, when you have patients coming in, what do you see as, what do you see as like the biggest problem or the one that just keeps coming up the most that you're like, oh, this again, this again, this again, mm-hmm. what comes up the most that you notice and, um, and what are maybe some people's th- things people are doing that are causing that?
0: Yeah, I mean, in big picture is what you were just speaking to is pure disconnect from our bodies, and Mm. just not being able to connect the our emotional state, the choices that we're making to what's happening here. Mm. Because often people will come to me. So women specifically in their 40s and 50s. Now they have hot flashes and night sweats and can't sleep and anxiety and all these things. But we're so used to looking at this showed up today. So what did I do yesterday that affected it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah so that's that you know because we're used to a system of oh you have a headache take this pill it'll get rid of the headache we're not used to asking the question well why do i have a headache what did i do today did i drink enough water did i sleep am i under stress like what's happening that's causing this response in my body because the body is just responding to its environment Mm. so the biggest thing i see is really that disconnect and then i feel like it's my job just to plant some seeds so that they can start connecting these dots because it's not easy when it's working for someone So like I was speaking about that woman, if it's working for her to be busy, to do all the things, to get her done, she's successful, it's working for her right now. So to throw Mm. a curveball and say, hey, this could lead to this is not gonna work, right? Mm. So it usually isn't until, unfortunately, when something big happens, maybe your relationship changes because now because of the way our body is responding, maybe our libido is really low. And maybe we we are so fatigued that we can't be intimate with our partner. Now it's affecting the relationship. Okay, now maybe I should look at something. Or women, you know, so many women have breast cancer. Mm. So many women have thyroid cancer. We're more susceptible to thyroid issues too. So sometimes it's something big like that needs to happen. I do think that the paradigm is starting to shift because I'm starting to see younger women, which is really amazing. And because they're starting to question. They're questioning, oh, the birth control pill isn't the answer to everything. It actually makes me feel crazy. So they're starting to ask the right questions. So I think we as a community just need to start asking questions. So, cause we know we are our doctors, like the answers are already there, but we're used to being in a system that compartmentalizes everything. Like, oh, you have gastro issues, we're gonna send you to a gastroenterologist. You have this issue, we're gonna send you to this person. And they're so focused just on that area that they forget that the body, everything in there is communicating with each other, nothing is separate just as we humans are not separate from one another. We're not separate from the animals, the trees, the everything. So I think the more connected we can start to feel, the easier it becomes to understand this concept.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is to me, it makes total sense. I don't understand how things got the way they did. Obviously, you know, big drug companies and stuff, but it makes sense that the body speaks to each other. Like the parts Mm -hmm. speak to each other, right? Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, and, I don't, it's hard for me to understand how people don't really understand that. Like I, and, and and it brings me to my next question is how do you communicate? Like, how did you learn to communicate with your patients and how challenging has that been? Because, you know, there's probably, you probably have the two hats, the one that's like, you want to shake somebody, but the other one, you want to be loving and you want to be, they want to be heard and understood, you know, And how have you developed your communication skills? Because that itself is an art when it comes to, you know, I've been to your clinic, you know, I've, I've, you know, worked with Nick and it's amazing to see just the different personalities and the way that, you know, you have to speak to people and it's, how have you, how have you been able to develop that within yourself? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. You know, it took time for me to understand what the other needs and not make it about myself. Often we go into the space thinking, okay, you know, like I was saying in the beginning, I chose to be a rescuer often in my life. So if I step into that doctor position in that space of like, I'm going to help you, I'm going to heal you, it changes the energy of it. So every morning we actually have a mission statement and a purpose statement that we say, and all of it is about us getting aligned with our highest self so we can help somebody else align with their highest self. Mm. So I step into the room in service. So I step into the room, like, this isn't about me. So if she doesn't understand it right now, it's not about me. Right. So by that, and just by listening, often they come up with their own solutions when you give somebody enough space and safety and understanding, they start to really see clearly. And, you know, depending on their stories from before. So I do go into the stories quite quickly. I'm comfortable doing that now. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can see what's happening and I can ask the questions to maybe, you know, provoke or evoke some response that will give them an aha moment. And that can feel scary sometimes for some people, and they're not ready. So I have to read that and then others, it'll just change everything for them. So now, now they're stepping in now they're ready. Hmm. So I think really seeing that person as an individual and seeing their story and not putting my own story and ego and all the things that can happen into it. I think that's, what's helped me have that patience and it's still a work in progress. I mean, there's often, I feel sad. Actually, there was a woman that came to me who had a lot of stuff going on and she looked me in the eye and said, I don't deserve your help. So to hear oh. that, like it just, and I can't I can't convince her. I can't change her belief system around her. She's gonna have to do that. I can provide her with support to do that, but she wasn't even at that time willing to receive yet. So mm. that to me is more painful than somebody that maybe is stuck in a paradigm of like, just give me the hormones. I just, I just want the hormones and just to feel better. Mm. So I just think the more we can just be present with that individual and not make it about ourselves, the easier it gets.
1: Yeah, and do you notice that a lot of people already know the answer? I'm oh, noticing yeah. that in this I'm, I'm in this personal development world and everything within myself too. It's mm-hmm. like we're just looking for permission. It's mm-hmm. like we already know mm-hmm. what the answer is. You know, it's yeah. it's like we've already we intuitively we know, but we need to get rid of all the junk stories, all of the, the things that get in the way of us tapping into that because we already know, yeah. but we want. We want to look for somebody to say it's okay. They want to look for somebody to say, like, you know, because if they've stepped in there, they already sort of know the answer, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we've been trained to do that since we were babies. Yeah. Right? Like, you look at your parents. Like, is it okay if I eat this? Is it okay yeah. if I wear this? Is it okay if I do this? Yeah. So we're used to wanting that validation and understanding. And then there's true like biochemical things happening in the brain too. Mm. There, you know, when. The brain chemistry has changed when somebody moves through trauma. They're looking at the world with a very different nervous system than somebody that hasn't moved through something big. And so, can you explain
1: that a little bit more? Because yeah. that I feel like that itself is like, okay, how is that specifically? Yeah. Can you give it an example of like yeah. what that would look like?
0: Yeah, there was uh, there was actually a study done. There's a great book um, called The Body Keeps the Score, oh, which I think everyone should coming up. Should read. I need to read that. Yes, it's an excellent book. And there's a study in there that really stood out to me that I actually mentioned in my book too. It was, they took a group of individuals, this was in the mid nineties who went through bigger traumas, you know, like an event. And this one woman was driving her car with her child and he didn't have a seatbelt on. So she looked over to put a seatbelt on and she ran a red light and a truck ended up hitting them. Her child died. She was pregnant, that child died. So 10 years later now, they're studying her brain and what she's been through. So, you know, they put them in the scans, the MRI, and they're hooking them up to see what's happening in their physical body after they're relaying the event to her after she's described all the little details. And what they saw in the brain was that things change according to the trauma. So, for example, um, when we're you know, when we're just talking, there's parts of our brain that's organizing this information. It's putting into sequence of like, this happened first, then Lance said this, and then this happened. When you're in that moment, everything's chaotic. And what happens is your speech center completely shuts down. So how I was speaking to the fact that I couldn't use my voice in that moment, because physically our speech center is done. Our frontal lobe is not working at all. So everything is about that emotional body because now the amygdala is on fire. It's Pushing adrenaline into the rest of your body like your periphery so that you can run from the danger. Your pupils are dilated so you're assessing what the next step is. So the visual cortex is looking at the environment in that time. And what they found in those scans is that just a sound of a car, just a sound or like the slightest hint took her completely back into that moment and her one area of her visual cortex was so active as if she was exactly in that moment right there. So Mm -hmm. not a memory as if you're right there. So when you know all of that is happening and you're walking through your everyday life, everything is from that lens, Mm -hmm. right? So your nervous system is always just ready to help you survive, but it's ready to fight if it needs to, it's ready to flee if it needs to. And so we're not the same individuals as we were before and then after, because our brains are now developing in a very different way. And what's really impacted is that medial prefrontal lobe. It doesn't um, give us that logical information as it should. And this medial part of our brain is very much about self-awareness. Whereas the lateral part of our brains is very much about our surroundings and figuring those out. So our sense of self starts to change in how we, receive information, how we express information as well. It just all shifts.
1: What about if you haven't been through that and you get this unnecessary mm-hmm. anxiety or fears of things that you don't know? Mm-hmm. And I always wonder now if we're going to, we can take things a little bit woo or whatever you want to call it. But like, I, you know, look into past lives too. I like mm-hmm. to think about, you know, that that's definitely a thing. And I, I, I believe that. So, you know, there's times where, and I'd love to know your, your, uh, your thoughts on this, is that sometimes the stuff that we're scared of may be from something before our time now. And whether you believe that or not, it's interesting to me because, you know, there's things that I fear sometimes or this anxiety that I don't really know why I have it, but yet I'm kind of it there's there's just strange things that come up. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, did I die this way in a past life or whether you think that's crazy or not, it's interesting to like, to look at, right? Like, yeah, why do we have some of these things that we are scared of or paranoid of that make no sense? Like we haven't mm-hmm. done, we have, I can see why if you're in a massive car accident, you'd get scared of hearing a car, but you know, there's, there's other fears that we get that just don't make sense. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in full belief of that too. And also generational trauma, trauma that you're carrying that isn't yours. So speaking to generational trauma, when you're, if we just look at when you're in the womb, you're kind of navigating or understanding what your environment's going to be like, Mm. all the hormones that your mom's releasing is giving you signals of like, is this a safe place? Is it not a safe place? So there's that element just from your life. And then looking at, you know, the generation, the, the imprint that we carry, from before, now they're scientifically proving things about our physiology. Like, for example, a grandfather's um, diet is going to affect a grandson's health in the in his really? years and puberty. Yes. Yeah, so now they're connecting these. Wow.
1: Ways. Really? They've mapped
0: absolutely. They've mapped back all the way 14 generations to see like different things that are showing up in different generations. So, you know, science is kind of bringing it from that lens. But when you look at So I've had a fear of snakes my whole life. I don't know why. And my grandma one day talked about her grandma dying from a snake. I mean, they live in India. They're everywhere. And so like that was kind of an aha moment for me too. Of like, okay, this this isn't mine. So it can be really empowering too of like, okay, these fears that I'm carrying, like you're saying, maybe they're not mine. So maybe when we start questioning it, we can release it. And we can say, okay, I honor that you had this fear, but I I don't need it. I don't need it in my life right now. So I do think we carry this genetic information um, through the generations. And also, I mean, I am a believer of past lives. I do feel we come onto the school of earth and we learn Mm -hmm. what we learn. And then if we need to come back, we come back to learn some more and usually with similar people again. um, So I do think we carry things because we're given another opportunity now to heal what maybe we didn't heal before.
1: I just find that so interesting, you know, and yeah, like our fears that they go back generations or like that our grandparents mm-hmm. have impact on us. That's wild to think about. Yeah. You well, know, like really. thinking about even the, the trauma that a lot of our grandparents had to go through the hard times yeah that stuff feeds down into our parents and into us Yeah, and it make, it makes sense. It makes yeah. total sense.
0: There's a study done with um, the infants of Holocaust survivors.
1: Mm. Every
0: single one was born with adrenal insufficiency, meaning their ability wow. to manage stress was already depleted. So, you know, when you think about what they went through, it's it makes sense that the next generation is also carrying some of that burden
1: with mm. them. Yeah it's interesting because when i went did ayahuasca i was thinking that these fears of mine would come up but they didn't and then i was Mm -hmm. i was you know because you never know what you're gonna get right when you're doing stuff like that but there's there's always been these little fears that i have and i don't understand them and it's 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 kind of like as i do the work i kind of want to get to the bottom of them like unnecessary Mm -hmm. anxiety about certain things but then i'm like well maybe it's nothing, but but you know the more i feel like the more aware you get and the clearer you get the more it's like i want to figure this out you yeah. know and people are addicted to when you're drinking and you're eating bad and you, you i mean you know this working with people it's like you never really get to feel what these things are because as, as the second you feel them you just like medicate them with something so it's interesting when you kind of like clear that out and then you're like okay well what is this why why Ooh. is this coming up what is like what is this is this the reason that I've been wanting to drink or escape, like, what is that? You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we don't have to get lost in it either. We can just be really curious about it. Mm. And sometimes we don't get the answer. Our logical mind won't necessarily get the answer, but maybe something shifts in our body or something shifts in how we relate to it. Cause we've now just been aware of it that, Mm. you know, this isn't mine. Thank you, but I, I don't need it. At this time, so I think becoming aware of it and unpacking what it might be influencing today in your life is really helpful and not getting lost in it. But I think what you said there was so important. We as humans, we don't want to feel pain, right? Our brains are wired to help us not feel pain It wants you to distract yourself or take the thing that's going to numb that pain. And sometimes it's really simply just acknowledging the pain and asking it questions that give us some of these answers that are helpful for today and for the
1: future. Mm. What does your morning routine look like? Mm -hmm. And what do you recommend the women listening or even men do in the morning to set themselves up for success?
0: hmm. So the moment I wake up, I say thank you for another day. Um, I feel like that's important for me because just because of my story from before of not wanting to be here. And so just being grateful, like, okay, I, I get to breathe another day. And then I always do some sort of movement, whether that's yoga or hit exercise, something that moves the energy in my body from that sleep state into the new state of the day. And then my husband and I, we do a meditation together. So we're chanting and doing our meditation in the morning. And then the kids are up, right? So then then I got to turn into mom. So I got to do all the things to get them out of the house. And then when the days I have home, I have some self-care things that I do, like I'll do a sauna or I go for a walk or I do something to help support my nervous system every single day. Cause I find the more you support your nervous system, men and women, the more you support your hormones and the more opportunity you give yourself to be aware, to heal, to awaken some things that maybe have been lost or not been heard for a while.
1: How important is it like when you if you miss a day, do you feel off or do you not I used miss a day? To.
0: I used to, and I started changing because on Sundays, we'll sometimes miss a day because the kids are coming into our bed, yeah. or whatever. but I'll still do something. Yeah. So maybe that day, it's me having a cup of tea by myself outside or whatever. You love is. your yogi
1: tea. I love, I love
0: my tea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm known for loving my tea. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I know you make great yeah. tea. By the way, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you know, I'll just change my relationship too, because I find that we can also get stuck in that world too of like, oh no, I didn't do my yoga today, so now I feel yeah, you bad, can beat yourself I, up. You can beat yourself up. So then I just change that, I'm like, okay, I didn't do that today, but I'm doing this.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how we can go into that shame. All mm-hmm. the, like, you can take something that's powerful, and then we can become shameful of it and judge ourselves. Yeah. Just it's like, yeah. well, just let it go. Yeah. Right. It's so people put meaning to things so much and they create this thing and it ends up, it's like what you give the meaning to. You know, you could dwell yeah. on that all day and it can actually be counterproductive. Oh, I didn't do my morning routine. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, yeah. you know, and I, I remember doing that when I was doing gratitude and practicing journaling. If I didn't do that, I'd beat myself up and it totally defeats the purpose. Yeah, because the messaging
0: that we're getting is like, you got to do it for 40 days, or you got to do it for this many days to get the results that you need. And I find that that rigidity is going to create, like you were saying, the opposite effect of what that gratitude is trying to support you with. So Mm. yeah, I think just being flexible is important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So where can we we learn more about you and find Mm -hmm. your book? You have your book, Women Unleashed. Talk Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that and where we can find that
0: yeah so the book really is an opportunity for women and for men to have a moment of self-discovery so it kind of goes through our hormonal system Um, it also goes through different traumas and things that maybe have created your story. There's exercises in there. There's yoga in there. There's, um, it's really more of a book to create those aha moments for you. And I love that you kept bringing timeline up because I actually have a timeline exercise Mm. in there to help support just an understanding of yourself. And my, my hope with the book really is that, that you become your own advocate, your own doctor, your, your just, yeah, just loving yourself again is, I think is really important. Um, so the the website is womanunleashedbook.com so they can go there and find it there um you can find me on instagram facebook dr Sonia jensen also dr Sonia doctors
1: um what's our other one
0: we have so many divine yeah, elements yeah, doctor
1: doctor doctors the website yeah, dr
0: jensen.com yeah absolutely
1: awesome I'm so excited for you. This is such a fun conversation. I always enjoy listening to your wisdom and Mm -hmm. you know, you guys, you and you and Nick are just, you guys are so inspiring and you guys, I continue to just grow more fondly of you and everything you do to the world and working with you personally in the past was just such a, such a blessing. And, you know, now being able to have you, on the podcast and be able to be on your guys's podcast. It's, it's just, it's really amazing. I'm really excited for you to um, do really well with this book and everything ahead.
0: Oh, thank you. We're so excited for you and so proud of everything that you've been
1: doing. Yeah. Your, it your all, gift to the world. Thank you. It all started at our yoga retreat, right? That's
0: right. <laughs> Naturally yes. Brave
1: Retreats. That That's was a, right. that was a big moment. Yeah. That was a big moment. Naturally Brave Retreats yeah. in the Baja Cabo Mm -hmm. yeah hopefully
0: we'll be there again in 2022
1: yeah well definitely everybody that's going to be that's huge and that was such a massive massive shift for me you know Um, I've talked about it before you know I did that and I went to Tony Robbins and Mm -hmm. it was just like the combination of the two was just like my whole life changed after that
0: yeah so cool so cool seeing you today from where you've come and yeah
1: well, it's It's been, it's been a fun journey. And I think, you know, all of us, you know, within our community, I, I feel like we're all just getting started with the impact that we can make. And it's great to just, you know, help each other shine and encourage each other. And it's exciting. So for sure. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
1: I appreciate it. I want to just end with one question. I don't want to forget to ask it because I, I like to ask it every, every, every interview and it's What's the most valuable lesson that adversity has taught you?
0: Hmm. That life is a gift. That even with all the adversity, there's absolute gift in every single one. And it's, yeah, it's just such a gift and blessing to be able to breathe every day and to learn more and to discover more about myself and the world. So it's, it's a gift.
1: Mm, Love it. Life's a gift. You got that right. Mm -hmm. Super grateful. Thank you, Sonia. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks everybody.